Today is what is called a senior pastor installation service, which I've always found kind of a funny phrase. We're installing the pastor. You should know that I stink at installing stuff. Whether it's computer programs, uh, every time I have to install something in my house, uh, like for a, like a magnet closer on a cabinet door, uh, some of you are going, yeah, what's the big deal? I buy two of whatever I have to install because I inadvertently install it upside down or backwards and break the thing. So um, I'm hoping that uh, today will go a little bit better. Um, I've gotten a little bit better at installing things, at least to the point where I can recognize uh, install jobs gone wrong or creatively. So for instance, in my kitchen, uh, our toaster busted. So I rigged up this uh, handy dandy. You can use that if you want. If the uh, handle on your sink goes bad, uh, there's more than one use for a pair of uh, vice grips. Um, if your cabinet's starting to sag off the wall, you know, car jacks can come in handy. Uh, and then finally, if you don't know how to install an outlet, I've got a perfect solution for a whole wall of outlets for you. Now, when it comes to bathrooms, I would encourage you to measure, you know, knee space because you might find yourself, a pro or give your space time or give your uh, bathroom space to open the door. Otherwise, you kind of have to cut that there. I do appreciate, you know, uh, accessibility in a bathroom stall, but you might want to think about the arm span of a person. And then, the, then there's this install job, and I. I don't know really even what to, say, what to say about that. So again, I'm hoping that this goes a little bit better than those things. <laughs> I, that was, I just took that this morning at uh, the bathroom right over here. Um, Jeff Miller is the district superintendent of our district. He's on vacation today or he would normally have been doing this installation service, so I'm privileged that I get to do it. Uh, you should know that Jeff, if some of you have met him, many of you have met Jeff, our district superintendent. He has done 75 senior pastor installations in a decade. Now that's a, yeah, that's a lot of senior pastor transition and you might think that's not a good thing. And in some cases, that's possible, but what we are seeing is that through pastoral transitions, that God is on the move and that God is doing things, not only in bringing a senior pastor and speaking to him, but what he's doing in the church and how God is moving in people's lives to prayerfully go through transition times. So we are actually seeing the hand of God move, and that's our prayer for Hope Church. It's not just for Sean and Allie and their girls, but it's for, it's for Hope Church. It's for the, the community of Brunswick, which needs you all to be um, feeling God's hand of direction and empowerment on you. So I'm grateful that I know Sean and Allie, and it's good to be here. So the Lord brought a passage of scripture to mind, Numbers chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn open to Numbers chapter 11. While you're turning there, I'm a, yeah, okay, so some of you will look on phones, I understand, but uh, I still use one of these. So as you're finding Numbers 11, let me just give you a, a little bit of background in case you don't know this or forgot. Numbers uh, the book of Numbers in the Old Testament is part four of a five-part volume written by Moses called the Pentateuch. It continues the story of Israel, the nation who was enslaved in, in Egypt. They come out of Egypt and they're on their way to the promised land. 
It's called numbers because there's a census taken of the people. They count the numbers of people, and I like to say it's because people count to God. He, he cares of the people, and so he's always keeping track. Numbers not only tells us about the people, but it also details the places that they journeyed on their way to the promised land and the practices that they began to have as a, as a nation. And you should also know that Numbers takes place within about two years after they came out of Egypt. Now, if you know the story of Israel going from Egypt to the promised land, how long did it take them? 40 years. So this is year two or less at Numbers. And then when Deuteronomy part five starts, it starts out in the 40th year. So we got a lot of time that the book of Numbers covers. Now you should know that Numbers is not a book about leadership transition. Uh, Moses is clearly the leader here, and he won't change his leadership till year 40 when he'll pass the reins of leadership on to Joshua. As I prayed, Lord, what passage would you want me to speak on a pastor transition Sunday? I thought it would be from Joshua when the, when the new leadership takes place, but God brought me to Numbers chapter 11. Because Numbers is not a book about leadership transition, but it is a book about leadership and you're, you're going to see, and we're going to cover, you got notes hopefully in your bulletins, but there's two points we're going to go quickly and we're going to land on that third one. But when we look at, at, at leadership, God's leadership, leading God's people actually drives us to God's leadership. That's your first fill-in. Leading God's people will drive us as leaders to God's leadership in general. Now, I've given you some evidence there. It's in your notes as well. We're not going to look at these passages. But in chapter 9, we see that God led the people through the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire at night. You've probably heard that story. The beginning part of chapter 10, we see that God leads his people with the use of two silver trumpets. At the middle part of chapter 10, God leads just by his own command... And by the end of chapter 10, we see that God leads his people by the Ark of the Covenant. So the the truth is, um, Moses was not ultimately Israel's leader. God was their leader. And on a day like today, it might sound a little odd, but I want to tell you that ultimately, Sean is not your leader. The pastors that you've had currently or in the past, ultimately, they were not your leaders, I've been able to be with your elders currently, and as faithful as they have been and and as hard as they've worked through this, ultimately your elders are not your leaders. It is the Lord himself ultimately that leads Hope Church. Does that make sense? And when we start doing leadership transition, it should drive us more to the leadership of God. I want to just make a couple points before we move on to the next point, is that how our human leaders listen to God is probably the most important thing that we could ask of human leaders. You don't want human leaders just making decisions. You want human leaders who are listening to God and doing what he says, because ultimately he's the leader. I want to encourage you as Hope Church to also be about listening to the voice of God. Because if you're listening to the voice of God and your leaders are listening to the voice of God, then you can have confidence in following your leaders, which God tells us to do. Follow your leaders. Do not be like the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. One of the first things that they did when they get to the mountain, 
right as the Ten Commandments are, are being given, the people say to Moses, uh, they see this fire and terrible shaking of the mountain where God's presence was. And they said to Moses, tell you what, you, you go listen to God and we'll just listen to you. Which they didn't do, by the way. They wouldn't listen to Moses. But what, what was worse than that is they outsourced their listening to another person. And God doesn't want us to outsource our listening to anyone else. So as a church, listen to the voice of God. Make sure your leaders are listening to the voice of God because even your human leaders don't represent you. This is a, a, a philosophy of church leadership I would like to at least throw out there that democracy works for political systems, but it's a horrible theological system. God is our leader, and he gives human leaders to lead, not to, not to represent the people to God, but to represent God to the people. So your leaders may actually call you to do something you don't want to do, but it's what God is saying that you should do. And so you can't outsource your listening. Your leaders are following God, you're following God, and then you can be following your leaders and God is on the move. But leading God's people will drive you to God's leadership. Secondly, leading God's people will drive you crazy. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm absolutely serious about this. And the evidence here is listed. It's also in your notes, these passages. But in, in the beginning part of chapter 11, the people start complaining. God gets frustrated and Moses has to intercede on behalf and it calms everybody down. The very next verse, 11, chapter, 11, chapter 11, verse 4 down to 15, the people start complaining. This time Moses gets frustrated and God has to speak and calm everything down. By the time you get to chapter 12, the other leaders who happen to be Moses' brother and sister start complaining about Moses. By the time you get to chapter 13, God says, I want you to send 12 spies into the promised land. I want to show you what you're going to have. They go in two come back and say, yes, it's just like God said, let's go. 10 come back and say, uh-uh, we're not ready. We're not, we got to get prepared. There's, there's giants in the land. We can't go there. And guess, guess who wins that debate? Yeah, the 10 who say we can't do it. By the time you get to chapter 14, the people want to go back to Egypt. This is within two years of coming out. They want to go back to Egypt and God finally says to them, okay, generation that came out of Egypt, you're not going back, but you are not going in to the promised land. It will be your children because God was starting to say, listen, I can't send a bunch of grumblers and complainers into the promised land. When you get to chapter 15, God actually sets up laws for when you unintentionally sin. <laughs> we do so much intentional sin, but he's even covering when we don't mean to sin. That's how crazy the people of God can be. In chapter 16, there is a major rebellion where almost 15,000 people die in the desert. And by the time you get to chapter 20, Moses himself has succumbed to all the grumbling and planning. And God even says to Moses, you don't get to go into the promised land. Listen, God's people are nuts. <laughs> That's the, and the church is no different. We get all, we, get, we forget who we are and we forget whose we are. We forget what God's called us to do. And what happens is we start getting all about our own comfort and convenience and control. 
When I was pastoring, the people in my church, they wanted more direction from me, and then they wanted me to quit being so controlling. They wanted me to preach the Bible and quit entertaining, and then they said, well, quit being so serious. Uh, they would say, you need to spend more time with us, and then they'd say, you need to spend more time in the community. <clears throat> they would say, we love you just like you are, and then the next moment they're saying, you need to change. And that was just pastoring the people in my own house, all right? So, <clears throat> and they know, my wife knows, don't get me started on how, how nutso pastors can be. Pastors are some of the craziest people I know, because I know myself. And at one point, we are like spiritual giants. The next moment, we're throwing a temper tantrum in a board meeting. You know, one moment, it's like, Lord Jesus, you've got this. The next thing, we're curled up in the fetal position in our office. One morning, it's, it's Lord Jesus, I will follow you, although all, all fall away. And the next moment, we're checking monster.com for a mailman job or something. You know, so we're just... We're fickle. We're all over the place. And the history of God's people, both in the Old and New Testament, prove it. But here's the deal. God knows this about us. God actually cares about it. I think that's why God gets all fired up in a book like Numbers. You wonder, why would God get so frustrated and angry and about ready to destroy the people and have to be reminded, no, remember, you saved them. I think it's because God cares. And he cares for us to keep following him. He gets passionate for his people. And he never gives up on us. So I just want to assure you, do not expect perfection from this man. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> do not expect perfection from your elders. Church, don't even expect perfection from yourselves. We're too, we're just too crazy. My, my wife gets a little frustrated that I get this honest with people about the church, but this is just the reality. God, but here's what you can't expect. God's going to say, keep being faithful, keep being forgiving, and keep going. Persevere. Expect faithfulness and expect perseverance, but don't expect perfection. In fact, if you want to have a better run in these next few years, expect a lot of imperfection. Expect a lot of hurt feelings. Most of the time, people don't mean it. <laughs> but be faithful, be forgiving, and be perseverant. So leading God's people will drive us to God's leadership. It will drive us crazy, which brings us to the main point for this morning. Leading God's people will drive us to dependence on the Holy Spirit. Dependence on the Holy Spirit. Now, in all of my going over this passage, I skipped over Numbers 11, starting at verse 16. And now I want us to look at the passage. I want to read just a couple of verses at a time and then give you a couple things to think about. You have them in your notes. Listen to Numbers 11, 16 and 17. So the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there and I will take of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them. They will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. When we start understanding the dependence on the Holy Spirit, we see right out of the gate that God's plan is that there would be spirit-filled leaders. Not just a spirit-filled leader, 
but many spirit-filled leaders. That's the plan. God wanted to speak to them. Notice how the pronouns change from you to they, from you to them. God has planned, and this is still true today, he has planned for shared leadership by a shared spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, this is huge because as far as leadership goes, Moses is kind of like at the top of the list on anybody's list. It was secular or Christian, it doesn't matter. Even Jesus at places in the New Testament is compared to Moses. So it's enormous that God would take Moses and say, I'm going to take the spirit that I've placed on you and I'm going to spread it out to 70 other elders. The New Testament will go on to show that God wants spirit-empowered, spirit-anointed, spirit-commissioned elders and leaders in churches, not just a leader. Don't pin your hopes on one because God's plan is that the spirit would come on all the leaders. But there's a problem. Follow with me now in verses 18 to 23. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five, 10 or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Verse 21, but Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot and you say I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? Verse 23, the Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? You will now see whether or not what I say will come true for you. You see, God gives this wonderful plan and then immediately addresses a problem. Now, what is the problem? It depends on who you ask. What's the problem for the people? They want meat. They, they, some, we need to be fed. Now, by the way, had they been being fed by the manna, the bread that was provided, God promised, but they want meat. We want somebody to feed us. That's their problem. Their bellies are their problem. And that's another sermon. If you ask Moses, what's his problem? It's a leadership problem. When you read verses 21 and 22, can you hear his frustration? Can you sense the fear? He, I mean, if I could paraphrase Moses, he's looking at God saying, you just put me on the hook to feed all of these people, probably over a million people with meat. And by the way, did you notice we're in the desert? <laughs> Haven't seen herds and flocks abundant around here. See, Moses' Moses problem is he doesn't have what it takes to meet that need. His, his, lead, his problem is that his leadership is insufficient. What's God's perspective on the problem? God's perspective on the problem is also a leadership problem, but it's that Moses doesn't bank on the fact that God's going to provide. God has to say, you think my arm's too short? You don't think I can do this? 
See, it, it, it's a matter of perspective on what the problem really is. So God expects his people, his leaders to be spirit empowered. But I believe God allows problems for his people. In fact, I would argue that God creates problems for us to drive us deeper into our need for him. That the problems that we experience as a church are not always problems from Satan or the devil or the enemy. Sometimes they are provided by God to say, what are you going to do with this problem? How are you going to look at this problem? From what perspective are you going to discern what the problem is? So we've got the plan, we've got the problem. Now let's look at the provision, verses 24 to 29. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. And he brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with them and he took of the spirit that was on him and put the spirit on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they did not do so again. However, two men, whose names were Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Verse 29, beginning, but Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I stop there. This is the provision. Here's where the plan actually comes together. I love it when a plan comes together. God said, I'm going to put my spirit on 70 elders, and this is when it happens. Now, if you look at verse 24 and 25, tell me, what did the elders do to get the spirit? Yeah, not a whole lot, right? They just kind of showed up. They, God says, I want you to stand there. So they stood there. <laughs> and when you look at verses 26 and 27, what does God do to give the Holy Spirit? Everything. God is the one who does that. God's the one that does the heavy lifting here. Church, listen. Leadership, listen. Pastor, listen. God always does the heavy lifting because only he is powerful and strong enough to do what is really needed. So God is doing the heavy lifting. Now, what do the elders do with the spirit at the end of verse 25? What do they do? What was the, what was the result of being filled with the spirit or having the spirit on them? Yeah, they prophesied. How long did they prophesy? just temporarily for a short time, where were they prophesying? Except for Eldad and Medad, where were they prophesying? Outside of the camp though, Out, they're not with the people. Now tell me, how does God giving the spirit and they prophesying meet the need that the people had for meat? I wonder if the people were back there going, what are our elders doing? We need meat, and they're out there prophesying. What do you think the provision of prophesying was for? Maybe a better question is this. Who do you think 
the provision of prophesying was for? The elders. There was something that they needed to know before they ever went out and started to try to meet the needs of the people. They needed to know who God was and what he was capable of. They needed to know what he was capable of doing in their lives. They needed to be filled with the spirit. They needed to prophesy, even if it was for a short time, because they needed to know how powerful God really was. And I think the people were frustrated by this because as you read the end of chapter 11, you will see that God's hand was not too short. His arm was not too short and he did give them meat and they began to gag on it because sometimes God will give us what we think we need if we don't ask him what he wants us to have. And I think that's the leadership lesson. And as we install Sean today as the senior pastor, I'm speaking to all of the elders and all of the leadership in this church. Earlier, I said that listening to God is the most important leadership role. I want to emphasize that again. How you listen is the most important. And then being filled and empowered by the Spirit is the second most important thing that you'll ever do as a human leader. Because problems, they come and go. Problems get misinterpreted all the time. Problems um, sometimes never go away. But God's provision to lead his people to the promised land, whatever he defines that to be for us is what we're actually trying to get after. And we get confused with the problems that we think we're trying to meet. So listen as a church, listen as leadership, and follow the Lord. Because the last thing that we see, and this is how I want to encourage you as a church, if in fact, if we're going to commission anybody today, we'll, we'll lay our hands on Sean but I want you as the church body to be commissioned today. Look at the promise. At the end of verse 29, Moses says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put a spirit on them. And then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to camp and they got on with their business. But do you hear what Moses is, was, is longing for? He's longing for something that wouldn't happen until Acts chapter 2, until Pentecost, when God's spirit would come on the church. And today, hope, we live in that day of fulfillment. You are just as commissioned as your senior pastor and as your elders. And together as the people of God, he's doing a new thing in your midst. And I want you to dream bigger than you've ever dreamed. I want you to, to think more colorful, colorfully than you've ever thought. I want you to trust more deeply than you've ever trusted and be more encouraged now than you've ever been. Because God has new things for you and I encourage you to go back to discerning prayer and listening prayer to make sure that the problems you think you want Sean to solve are really the problems that God wants to solve. And together, by listening to him, God will move you forward in what he has for you. And so as a symbol of that, I'd like us to pray for Sean and Allie and their girls. Um, as, as Sean comes forward, as their family comes forward, I do want to just um, give you this, brother, as, um, as also another symbol. Uh, yeah, we'll be done here. Another symbol of leadership. Uh, it's a picture, and um, it can represent many things. But as I think about the picture, I think about when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And I know you have a heart of service, so I just wanted to give this to you as well as a reminder to, to serve and love the people that you lead. Okay, amen. 
Um, and let's have, uh, if we could have any elder who is here and their, and their uh, wife, if you're elders and wives, if you're here, come on up and let's gather around. Why don't you guys step up right here in the middle. And Lori, would you come? Where's that handheld mic, Jim? Oh, it's over there. Okay. Um, what we're going to do in, in church in a, in a moment, I'll have you all stand as well. Um, but we're just going to kind of symbolically pray and anoint and, and commission Sean as he is going to be the lead pastor, is the lead pastor of your church. But as we pray, know that this is not just about him. It's about us, us together as God's people. And I'm going to have uh, George, if you would pray specifically for Sean and his leadership. And then I've asked my wife if she would pray for uh, the Brennan family. And then I'll close us in prayer uh, for you as the church body. So would you stand together? And uh, if, you, if you like to do the thing where you just kind of reach out your hand again in support as laying on hands, let's do that together. Heavenly Father, we gather here this day in the name of Jesus. Lord, you knew this day in eternity past. You knew Sean before he was ever born. All of his days were written in your book. Mm. All of the days of Hope Church are written in your book. Not only the ones past, but the ones that are to come. Father, you have called Sean here by your divine providence to be the senior pastor of Hope Church, to rely upon you, to guide and direct and to lead us in the way you would have us to go. You have called us as elders to support him, Lord, to walk with him and the other pastors to walk with this congregation, Lord, as we seek to fulfill your purpose here. Father, we pray for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit to Amen. be upon Sean that you would fill him to the fullest each and every day, that his heart would be set on seeking you first and foremost, Lord, that he would lay down all of his goals and ambitions and seek those that are yours. Lord, we just pray the outpouring of your spirit upon his relationships with his family, his relationships with the church, his relationships within this community. Lord, we just pray that you would do above and beyond all that we could hope for, ask, or imagine as you work through Sean to accomplish your perfect will mm. for him, for his family, and for Hope Church, the city of Brunswick, for your glory and your honor, mm. we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we could be called the children of God, and that is what we are. And so, Lord, as I pray for the Brennan family, for Capri, for Lainey, for Karis, for Allie, and for Sean, Lord, I pray that their identity would be as children of God, because that is what they are. Mm. More than pastor's daughters, or a pastor's wife, or a pastor, Lord, they are your children. And I just pray that each and every day they would be able to wake up and say to you, Heavenly Father, what do you ask of me today? Mm. That they would not live by the expectations of others, Lord, but that they would just cling to you and hear your voice speaking to them about what you're calling them to do. And Lord, I pray that it would be a joy. I pray that um, each one of them could find a special place and a special friend and um, just 
a lot of joy in this building and in this role and in this ministry as a family. And Lord, I just pray your um, rich blessing on Sean and Allie's marriage, that you would strengthen it, that they would be honest with you and with each other, um, that they would have trusted people that they could confide in. Lord, I pray for... Capri and Lainey and Karis, that they would have good friends, Lord, who lead them toward you and not away from you, and that they would have good, honest, and open communication with their parents. Mm -hmm. And Lord, we just ask that their family would be a light, but that they would be just one of many bright families in this congregation, Lord, who are shining for you. And we ask it in the strong name of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we do thank you and claim that we are in the day of fulfillment of your spirit coming on sons and daughters and men and women and your whole people. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us. Thank you that you walk with us, that you put up with us, that you get passionate for us. And I pray that as Sean helps to spearhead that and to uh, shepherd this flock with his leadership team, I pray for this church body that you would remind them of everything, Holy Spirit, you would remind them of everything Jesus taught and did, that you would empower them with the power and the presence and the direction of God himself and God's will. Uh, Lord, that you would uh, make Hope Church be like a spring of living water welling up to eternal life, that this flock would experience that and that they would carry that love and that well of spring water to a lost and dying world. Lord, I pray for more hope stories. I pray for more radical transformation of this community. So as we lay hands on Sean, Lord, we accept and receive the gift of your Holy Spirit, both here and throughout our district, we pray. And I agree with George, Lord Jesus, that this would be for your glory and your praise and your honor. God, thank you that you do the heavy lifting. We honor you, we look for it, and we want to be used by you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.